Hello, Podwalkers, and welcome to another episode of the Goblin Lore Podcast. So today we have kind of a fun episode, and I'm I'm really glad uh, you, you brought this idea, Taya. So first, we want to just open and, and say Hobbs is not going to make it. Just stuff came up, life life happens. So today there's just going to be the two of us. Might as well introduce myself, and then you introduce yourself. We'll do. Uh, introductions and then the opening question so i'm alex newman found on twitter at uh null underscore chronicler for now still hey i'm i'm uh oh go ahead alex let's just say my my pronouns are he him i'm sorry that's all right uh i'm taya pronouns are she her or they them and i'm uh taya transcends on blue sky all right. And so I uh, apologize. I just realized that I lost uh, all of my notes that I had taken for this. So I'll get those open in a moment. But today, oh, I also want to thank the Grinding Coffee Company before I forget, because I have a tendency to. They've been great sponsors. They've been working with us for years. We just want to always remember to open the show and thank them. They've, they've helped us with charity stuff and, I mean, Hobbs Coffee uh, needs, which is great. But I just want to make sure that we we get them uh, thanked right away. And then, uh, yeah, so for today's topic, we we're trying to come up with something something we could do um, with the two of us. And, uh, Taya, you brought up the idea of talking about one of my commander decks. Yeah, did um, we want to do the opening question first, though? Yeah, yeah, that's true, that's true. So, yeah, so I got an opening question that I was trying to come up with something that ties to the topic, and in lieu of having something that specifically ties, which I, I couldn't come up with, though there there is a thing we could have used, but that has been fleshed out and is more of the actual meat of the, the episode along with the other thing. So the opening question, um, I want to go with something that um, Hobbes, uh, a mindfulness technique that Hobbes talks about. I know he's talked about it on the cast. I know he's talked about it with me off the air. I know it's it's something that he's working on with his, his kids, and it's it's something I've done myself. Um, the the full exercise that he he does is, uh, I believe for them, it's at the end of each day, you list three good things that happened that day and one thing you're looking forward to the next day. Um, I used to do it uh, first thing in the morning at work while I was eating breakfast. So I would do three good things from the previous day, one thing I was looking forward to current day. Uh, but sort of in that vein, I was thinking we uh, Tay, like we could talk about something good that happened to us in kind of the last week or so, just kind of in, in you know, that podcast timeline. And so I'll, I'll open up with something that kind of happened this weekend. Uh, I've been uh, lifting recently pretty regularly with, with some friends of mine. I was doing it regularly, like kind of last summer and then um, with me and one of my friends, and then we kind of fell off and it was hard to get back to it. But now there's three of us. We started in December and have been going pretty consistently. The holidays disrupted things a little bit, but it's been every week through January and uh, February now. And so it's it's a just in general that's been nice. It's been nice to have three of us, and it's 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 nice to just have that group to to be doing that with. But also um, this weekend, this last Saturday, we did something called we we worked for our, our one rep max. And so for me, like I've been lifting for a while with them, but not that long overall. They've they both have been doing a lot over the last number of years. My friend Zeke for almost a decade on and off. So they're, they're a lot more knowledgeable about what they can do, what they used to be able to do, kind of where they're at now. And so this was helpful for them to calibrate. But for me, I've never done that. And kind of what you're doing is you're starting somewhere you know you, you can lift and you're starting to just 
go up higher, go higher than you've lifted before and just try to get one. You're not trying to like normal working sets. You might be doing five or 10, depending on your goals, lift per set or reps per set. But here you're just trying to hit one. Can you do this weight at all? Um, if you can, cool. Then on your next, then it's someone else's turn on your next set. You go up and wait again, up again until you hit failure. Cause it just tells you where you're at. And so I started weeks ago, fairly low in, in weights and, I think as of a couple of weeks ago, the last time we actually lifted together, I was at 115 was the highest that I was lifting on the bench press. And like, I really enjoy this particular activity. I never, ever would have expected it. I just genuinely enjoy the motion, laying down on the bench, pushing the weights up, putting them back on the rack. Like I'm in, I enjoy that whole process way more than I expected, but I was kind of afraid of it the whole time. And I didn't really... I recognized a little bit of it, but I didn't really recognize that until this week when we started pushing up the weight for me. And I started at 125, and then when I hit 135, that's so for American sets for from using American weights, the the barbell, the bar that it's all on is 45 pounds, and so at 135, you have a 45 pound plate on each side, and those things are huge compared to the other plates. And I, there was something psychological that hit in my brain when I went to, when they set that up for me and they put 45 on each side and I'm like, oh, this is, this is mine. This is where I'm at now. And I lifted that one and then I, I did 155 and I pushed higher and then I, I missed once I didn't get to 165, but I went from lifting 115 to then this week I pushed one, one at 155. So it's like that I had a way more in me than I was than I thought I did, than I, but I also realized kind of how much fear I had around it. And understandably, it's, it's a thing, but with two people there and all of the, the precautions and the, excuse me, with all the precautions and things that we had set up, it's fine. But there was still something in the back of my head that I was intimidated by this setup. And so that was, it was just really good for this. Now I have that weight and I can use that to sort of set my, my goals going forward because I can take my working sets can be some percentage of that and I can start working from there. But just in, just as a psychological thing, it was really, really good thing for me to kind of confront that, to realize that, that, so that fear I had to confront that and to get through that. And then also just a couple of, a couple of friends and actually we had a fourth friend who hasn't been lifting has never lifted with us before has been there sometimes when we were lifting, but he would just hang out and wouldn't lift. And he actually showed up to lift too. So it was kind of fun to, for him to get to start things. And then just a group of friends all celebrating when somebody hit some, did something good and kind of jovially making fun of someone else. When you did a, like, especially my two friends who've been in it for a while, they kind of poke at each other when one's better at this and the other's better at that. And it was just a good environment. And, it was it was a really good a good thing for me and kind of multiple levels there. Very cool. Yeah, that's that's awesome. Yeah, for me, I, I'm I'm gonna go back. I've been home and I mentioned the last time we were on that I was getting ready to go in for surgery and you know it was just about two weeks ago. Two weeks ago on the day this comes out Wednesday, you know I had my top surgery, which for uh, male to female trans top surgery is 
mostly a breast augmentation, but in my case, it's also a bit of a reshaping to kind of give a more feminine appearance to fit my frame a little bit better on a natural size, which is a surgery I was trying to have for, I was working on, you know, about three years and trying to find a surgeon that would do it and dealing with BMI bullshit from being, you know, a a fat person and having to deal with doctors that are fat phobic and won't work on people that are my size and all that kind of bullshit. And finally finding a doctor that'll do it and then dealing with insurance issues and having to go on a network and all kinds of other problems. Finally, three years later, finding a doctor who would do it and lining up everything else and having to pay out of pocket. And now I have to go back and do insurance reimbursement. Thankfully, I was in a place where I could afford to pay for the surgery out of pocket uh, and then go back for reimbursement later. But you know, I'm just happy I could finally get it done. And it looks like I might be having some complications I'm dealing with now. I've got to go to the doctor tomorrow to deal with some pain issues I'm having that aren't expected, but I'll figure that out. But I'm still happy that I was able to get it done. It's one of the kind of three major surgeries that are somewhat common for transitioning uh, along with facial surgery and uh, bottom surgery. So I'm just happy I was able to get this done. And I'm I'm really happy with how things have turned out other than um, dealing with some of the pain issues I'm having. So, you know, for me, that's a, a big positive in my life is, uh, you know, finally realizing that and I wish I didn't have to deal with so much fat phobia in the medical industry to, to get things done. And, you know, yeah BMI is such bullshit oh, to begin it, with yeah that that sucks that's a a whole other thing that i can i can relate to having had some the, the fat phobia and, and you know medicine issues myself there was a long stretch where i just didn't go to regular checkups because in my head going to the doctor was nothing but shame and so yeah it hard it's for me to you know it, it, it is hard and and i you know, I deal with a lot of medical issues that I just don't go deal with. It's easier for me to get mental health care because that's one thing I don't blame on my weight. But for other issues, I, I deal with a lot of chronic pain issues and stuff, too. And I just don't go deal with them because they blame everything on my weight. And they don't take anything else into account. And it's just like, well, I guess I'm just going to deal with it. Yeah, there's a, a, a little bit of a struggle I had recently. Well, finding a doctor that I could have like talk to who wouldn't who wouldn't just blame who wouldn't do that and and go go just go to uh, you should lose weight every you know ten minutes that I'm seeing them and I found a doctor that I liked and unfortunately because I didn't know how to navigate the medical system they eventually closed to new patients and I wasn't considered a patient of theirs even though I'd seen them five or six times over two and a half years. And so fortunately I found another doctor who I actually saw recently for something else and was talking to him about that. And he's like, okay, let me go in. And he just went in the system. He's like, all right, you're my patient now. So that won't happen again. It's like, okay, cool. So yeah, that's, yeah, it's work. It works out great when you find a good doctor, you know, I'm, I'm still, but my, my last doctor that I had that I really liked left the practice. Uh, and I, I still haven't found a good replacement yet. So oh, that sucks. Yeah. All right. Well, 
And do we want to get into the topic here? Yeah, let's let's do it. Let's talk about let's talk about Zura. So yeah, this is the one of the first decks I built and kept together for any period of time. Yeah, you mentioned it on a podcast pretty frequently, and it's a cool. I've gotten to play against it. It is a really cool deck, and it's powerful. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is one of my two most powerful decks. It Kozilek and Zyra are my two oldest decks, and the decks that I put money into. <laughs> they're they're the decks that um, I have my expensive cards in, and they're the because for a long time, and to be honest, even now, I I have lots of ideas that catch my attention, and then I build them and I play them once and go, eh, and then I just don't play the deck and I take it apart. Zyra and Kozilek were my first two decks that that didn't happen. I've had them together. I, I think I built Zyra first, but they both were around the same time. And I built Kozilek when, oh, what was that second set? When the second, um, Kozilek the Great Distortion, when that Oath set of came the out. Oath of the Gatewatch. Gatewatch. Yes, thank you. When Oath of the Gatewatch came out, I built that deck. In fact, I, I was starting to put that deck together for that's that's a whole other conversation i started putting it together for the ulamog from the set before and then kozilek was spoiled and was like that's my new commander but so zyra is from around that time too so i've had this these these two decks together let's see oath was january 22 2016 so i've had these two decks together for about eight years that i've had been working on and tinkering with and how and, has it been eight years since battle and oath how it's ridiculous it, it, part of it is in making me what really makes me see it is i distinctly remember playing two-headed giant at the oath pre-release <laughs> with xavier and thinking he would have been nine when that set came out oh wow and and that's just that really that's what really gets me more than anything is just thinking that well yeah there was i was having a conversation with my dad the other day about my my niece my oldest niece who apparently is nine i thought she was or she's eight i thought she was seven yeah it's it's my god it's hard yeah i mean i'm sorry to totally derail this no no no. it's just like wow because I, i remember this clearly because we we were behind like two to 18 or something like that and we won with the uh whatever the the uh the twin flame spell is that you can uh that has the the cast ability if something isn't cast earlier you can cast for cheaper the fall of the titans or whatever oh yeah and and since it was two-headed giant we could select each of them as targets and we get we got to come from behind and win by targeting each of them yeah. With that spell. Shove up to two targets. Oh, that's yeah. so brutal in Two-Headed Giant. Yeah, it was awesome in Two-Headed Giant. Because I just cast a cantrip or something stupid like that. And then Xavier got to dump all of his mana into casting that spell and killing oh, yeah. it. yeah. And it's Surge so your teammate can cast Surge. Yeah, that's what the spell, that's your... what the ability was. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, I, I taught my dad how to use uh, Scryfall this weekend, and I explained to him how many magic podcasts exist because of Scryfall. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that's so cool. I, I, I don't think I played two at a giant th- then, yeah, but I do I remember Red playing. Red X do X damage to two targets is a real uh, yeah. cheap. Real brutal when you get to just double the damage. You hit both heads, and it does double damage to the shared health pool. That is yeah. 
so powerful. Okay, that's super cool. But yeah, I uh, so I yeah, I've had this deck together since then. And like I said, most of my decks are together for months at best. These days, it's a little bit longer simply because I just don't play Magic as often, so I don't take things apart as often because I don't need the pieces as as often. But this Zyra deck has been together since then, and it's I built a Titania deck back when Titania came out in 2015 or 2014. I think that was when the monocolor. 2014. Yeah. yeah, Thank you. 2014. So that was my first like lands matter deck because I just loved that idea of that deck. And also I listened to a magic podcast at the time where they joked about doing uh, Ashling the pilgrim and 99 mountains, like was one of their decks that they talked about. And then when I heard of, you know, this Titania, I'm like, well, I could build like a, a mostly land deck. And so that was a Titania and 70 lands. I legitimately put 70 lands in that deck. And I loved it. It was a fun deck. But so in a lot of ways, Zyra sort of was a building of that because I wanted to build, oh, you know what? It was Zyra was second because Zyra was built out of Gitrog being spoiled, which would have been the next year or later that year when uh, the Gitrog monster came out in oh. I just clicked on the wrong one. Uh, Shadows of Rinnershot. Yeah. So that had been still about eight years. But so when the Gitrog monster came out, Gitrog is a big old 6-6 with death touch for three black green, but it's sort of relevant text is beginning of your upkeep, sacrifice uh, the Gitrog monster, unless you sacrifice a land, you may play an additional land on each of your turns. Whenever one or more lands are put into your graveyard from anywhere, draw a card. Yeah, Gitrog is when a lot of Lands Matters decks started <laughs> showing up. There were so yes. many Lands Matters deck when Gitrog <laughs> came out. Yes. And that was including mine <laughs> because yeah. I just, that spoke to me and I understood that I kind of liked lands and this had some cool land sacrificing things, which synergized well with Titania. But the thing that I really wanted to do was I wanted to play Gitrog with uh, seismic assault, which if you're not familiar is a red enchantment for red, red, red discard a land seismic assault deals two damage to any target. So that means you discard a, Discard the land to do two damage, and then the Gitrog monster gives you a land because it's hitting your graveyard from anywhere, or gives you a card. And so, obviously, Gitrog is green and black. Couldn't put red in the deck, so I needed a green, black, red commander. And so this is the first, to be honest, really, it's probably still one of the only decks where my commander is not really a piece of my strategy or synergies. I, I found... I was looking at three, three different commanders that fit those colors that I had at the time that I thought could kind of fit this this strategy. And honestly, Zyra Irene, who I ended up going with and still have, was not what I thought would be the first choice. One of my first choices was actually the Shattergate Brothers, because... The, the honestly the only reason I probably didn't go with the Shatter Gang is because their ability to sacrifice a creature, an artifact, or an enchantment. If they did lands, <laughs> this would be a Shatter Gang Brothers deck. And but they didn't, and so that was a potential. It was still a potential. Like it still was pretty good. You could sack a creature. Every player has to sack a creature. Same for artifact. Same for enchantment. They're in the right colors. 
They're not hitting the primary strategy I'm looking at, but it was a good utility card. The other possible one I went with was Adam Oakenshield, who I kind of think was, I think was probably the, the front runner for me because Adam Oakenshield is a Legends legend, one, two for green, black, red, but has the activated ability, green, black, red, tap, return target creature from your graveyard to your hand. And I knew a lot of what I was trying to do in this deck was going to be built around creature engines, like the Gitrock monster. And I figured this would be a good way to get those cards back. Ultimately, I, I started with Adno Shield in the deck because um, I had an Italian version that my dad couldn't sell when he tried to sell his cards years ago. So he gave it to me when uh, I got back into Magic. And then I went with Zyra, who who is uh, was much cheaper because she's in Chronicles, who is a insect wizard like Adam. Um, oddly enough, has the same casting cost and harm toughness. Green, black, red for a one two. Um, she ever has flying and the activated ability. Green, black, red tap. Target player draws a card, which turned out to work really well for this deck because what i what i ended up turning this at first this was kind of just land matters good stuff but i realized i could build several different engines into the deck that had interchangeable parts and zyra was just useful for i don't have enough parts right now so play my three drop commander by you know on turn three if i don't have anything else to do a lot of decks are still developing in commander that gives me a flying speed bump if I need to chump block something. And if I don't start getting what I need, every turn I just start drawing an extra card. Every turn. Um, as we'll get into some of the engine cards I use, being able to draw a card on command is also helpful when you have dredge things in your graveyard. So Zyra has some nice utility there too. And so I just stuck with with her. In fact, at some point I took Adden Oakenshield out of the deck because... Once I started to build in some of these other engines, there was enough redundancy, but also just like, sure, you t- you blow up Gitrog, I'll just find a different way to navigate to a win con. I don't need Gitrog. Mm-hmm. It's fun, <laughs> but I can build some other piece with these same comp- with these other components. And so Ad and Oakenshield kind of came out. Uh, so I figure kind of run through chunks of this so for the the engine cards sort of and i've talked about gitrog um the other parts of the main engine i mean gitrog obviously has a lot of value in its own and that's one of the strengths of this deck because most of these cards are good in multiple sort of ways and some of their just value gitrog if i don't have anything else going on is an extra land drop this yeah, deck Gitrog is just all value on a card just oh yeah doesn't have to do anything else at all yeah six six death touch i lose a land every turn but then i'm drawing a card every turn and playing an additional land. And being able to play an additional land. Yeah. Including Gitrog, I have eight ways to play additional lands in this deck. Uh, and one of those is Azusa, so that puts me up to nine if I get them all in play. That's, well, I guess nine extra. That's a, that's a thing. If if you ever play this deck with me, I will generally pull out a die at some point to start tracking my extra land drops. Just because I can get so much activity going on, I need to keep track of where that number's at. Uh, and then sort of the other engines that go with Gitrog, obviously Seismic Assault. Some nice redundancy with Seismic Assault is Boberigmos Enraged. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Four red, red, green, green for a 7-6 Trample, which is nice. Does some other thing with combat damage. 
I could take lands from other people's libraries potentially. Um, but the, uh, oh, my library, that's cool. But his big thing is just discard a land. Obergriff's Midrage deals three damage to a creature or player. He's a better seismic assault. <laughs> he hits people and does more damage than seismic assault does. So like that's kind of the se- the second piece. And then, you know, I mentioned it with Dredge, but Life from the Loam and, and the land, Dakmore Selvage, are the kind of the third piece for that main combo. This is my favorite way to win. It's not the most consistent because this requires every time basically I'm discarding lands to ding people, to generate card draw from Gitrog, using some of that card draw to re-dredge life from the loam, if I can get it, back into my hand so that I get to play it to get more lands to discard those lands again. It, I enjoy doing it, but it's, it's hard to kill three a full table with it. But if we're late in the game, a player's been knocked out, everyone's life totals are a little bit low, I will try to set this up if I can, because unlike some of the other win conditions that I'll talk about in a moment, it isn't just like do a few calculations and say, nope, you guys all just die unless you can inter- interact with this. This one makes me do the work and it feels like I earned the win. Mm-hmm. So then the the other major sort of engine is is creature token creators and i have three major well two major ones and a a smaller one that's sort of the backup titania i mentioned protector of argoth five three elemental when she comes into play you get a return a land card from your graveyard to your hand or graveyard to your battlefield which is nice but the main thing is whenever a land you control is put into a graveyard from the battlefield create a five three elemental right yeah it's uh it's, it's so, so good. good when you're just cycling lands between oh. play and your you know play in the graveyard yeah. and back in the play. Yeah, and I get into some of my land base later, but as, as a preview, I have a lot of lands that sacrifice themselves. That is a large portion of the lands in this deck uh, are lands that sacrifice themselves intentionally. I mean, that was back in my Titania deck. I ran thirty forests and forty lands that could sacrifice themselves in some way. Uh, mm-hmm. I was running. I was running fetch lands in a monocolor deck so that I can sacrifice them to make elementals. Uh, and and then sort of the, her partner on the other side of things is Omnath Locus of Rage, who's a big 5-5 five, five elemental, who uh, whenever a land enters the battlefield under your control, put a 5-5 five, five red and green elemental creature token into play. His, his second ability that when elementals I control die, including him, zap somebody for three is also useful because both titania and all of her her tokens yeah, are elementals that too. is in my k and t deck as well and it's one of the um with just how many lands that deck can put into play uh it, it can get out of hand really quick and it is it is one of the cards people hate seeing on the battlefield <laughs> it doesn't matter what deck you're playing if you put if you play that card people hate it yeah it, it is it, they try to kill it immediately because it, if you get too many elementals and then somebody board wipes or something, yeah, it gets out of hand. Yeah, he in in like a literal sense is a lightning rod, and then that's a, a pun off the lightning bolt three damage he zaps people with. The the not nearly as good as these two, and and not quite as synergistic, but can still get there. Uh, sort of third card in this set is a worm harvest two and. A green black three green black hybrid mana, so five total. Create a one one black and green worm creature token for each land in your graveyard. 
But this spell also has retrace. So you can cast it from your graveyard by discarding a land in addition to paying its other costs. You're not exiling it. <laughs> so you can cast it and cast it and cast it again, getting lots and lots of worms. So the, they are far less intimidating than the five threes, but the worms are still very useful when uh, you have overrun effects of which this deck runs too. I have, of course, Critterhoof Behemoth because I have just put the most expensive cards in. The, well, not the most, but I put the cards within my reach that I can get for this deck, and Craterhoof is probably the most powerful in that range. Five green, green, green for a five-five with haste. When it enters the battlefield, all of your creatures get Trample and XX, where X is the number of creatures you control. Fifteen one-one worms suddenly become seventeen seventeen. Yeah, you know it's. I mean, it's been the green finisher of choice for a long time because yeah, it is just formats, it's, it's efficient. It. Yeah, and it's it's just it it's an easy critical mass thing because they all get bigger for how many there are. Yeah, it's exponential, and and then the other yeah, one yeah. I so go ahead. You only need like five or six creatures on the battlefield to make make it lethal, and if you have yeah. more than that, it, it's just. Yeah, like I said, that, that unlike the sort of life from the loam, seismic assault nonsense, yeah. this one is just you put it down and be like, all right, I can do 1500 damage. Can anybody interact with this? Yeah. And that just ends the game, which can be fun, especially in longer games. Sometimes yeah. that's just what you I, need. I would not be surprised if Crater Hoof Behemoth has ended more games of Commander than any other <laughs> single card. That Yeah, that wouldn't surprise me either. It, it, it just. It just does it. It's just done. It gains haste, which is nice. It yep. does not give your creatures haste, which is important. That's also why I, I run Concordant Crossroads in the deck. It's, it's a one-drop that gives all creatures haste. I used to have Sark and Vol, actually, specifically to give my creatures haste. And then they printed Concordant Crossroads in the second Double Master set, and the extended art for it was so gorgeous, I just put it in my deck and took out Sarkin. So, but then the other overrun effect I have is Overwhelming Stampede. Till end of turn, creatures gain Trample and pl get plus X plus X, where X is the greatest power among creatures you control. It's it's not as exponential as Crater Hoof, but if I have a 5-5, five five, now all my 1-1s one become 5s, you know, 6-6s. Six right, yeah. It's, which still is, a, it's still a beating. It's big, and so, like, that. that's kind of those big pieces a couple engine -y things that assist those, which can also be really fun. Uh, squandered Resources is an enchantment. Sacrifice a land, add to your mana pool. Oh god, this is an old card, so I'm going to read it as it's oh, yeah. Add to your mana pool. One mana of any type the sacrificed land could produce. Play this ability as a mana source. So basically, I just get to sack lands for mana, which is double value in this deck. I get the mana for it. And I get a sacrifice land trigger off anything that cares, like Titania. I have Splendid Reclamation. That's almost the reverse of that, where I just put all my lands from a graveyard into my battlefield, tapped. You know, just get 12 triggers off of Omnath. And then I have Scape Shift that just does both, where I sacrifice all my lands, put in that many number, put in that many lands. Some yeah. Of those, some of those lands might be fetch lands, so I might just get to go. Get even okay, more. Yeah. Yeah, I have 15 sacrifice triggers and 15 landfall triggers. 
Yeah, Scape Shift is also in KT. KT is my KT um, landfall is one of the win cons in there. There's a lot of landfall cards like like uh, Omnath. So <laughs> nice. Omnath yeah. and uh, uh, Felidar Retreat and a couple of okay. other ones. So nice. Yeah, there's um so yeah, there's a lot of things like scape shift and stuff like that to just get a ton of land drops at, all at once. Yeah, there there was a time when I was looking at building like multiple land stacks and then I re- like when I was actively playing magic a lot and it felt like worth buying multiple copies of the same staple to put in multiple different decks. Yeah. K and T were were one of the other decks I was looking at trying to build is another a different land deck that works slightly differently yeah knt definitely works slightly differently it's lands is just one of its win con it, the, the main win con in knt is to give you stuff and then kill you with your own stuff <laughs> that is its main win con it yeah. is to borrow your stuff and kill you with it but it does need if like nothing else is happening it needs its own win con and it's pretty much landfall is its built-in win con Nice. Yeah, I I built a KNT deck one time with the intention for my win con to be forced fruition, mm-hmm. uh, which is a blue enchantment for four and blue blue. Whenever an opponent plays a spell, that player draws draw seven, seven cards. cards. Yeah, because I really wanted to specifically mill people out by making them overdraw. I didn't want yeah. to just mill them out. I wanted to give them too much stuff. So that got. No, another tangent here, but um, somebody played that in a game where Xavier was playing his Rakdos deck. Oh. Um, so he basically got to play, and he had a discard outlet in play. I forgot what his discard outlet was, but he would basically get to cast all of his creatures for free, and anytime he got close to decking, he would just he would discard a bunch of crap and then discard one of the Shuffle Eldrazi, <laughs> so he never had to worry about decking himself. <laughs> nice fair yeah so it's like yeah no thanks for letting me draw as many creatures as i can play for free yeah no that's 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 fair yeah yeah there's there's like i played it a couple of times and it was it was fun to play and actually it was really fun to get to play a a hugs deck (laughs) yeah it's one of the other things this this deck has one or two effects that are sort of uh across the board like that so yeah, that my KNT deck is very precious to me i've played it on stream a couple of times and done some really funny things with it on stream yeah that's that's cool i i i really appreciate sort of them as a commander and i whenever i played against that deck and honestly i can't remember if i played against that one if you i don't know if i've played you with my knt deck but uh you know, I know I've played it on the charity stream where I've like donated five dollars for every card I've made my opponents draw during the, and I I've donated like five hundred dollars that way, between two rounds. That's awesome. Yeah, that's super cool. <laughs> so, okay, well then some of the other just general utility I want to talk about because this is again kind of gets into some of the things that I love about these decks it's the mechanical things. And we talk about like being, you know, the Lorthos. And honestly, for me, I realize over the last few years as a gamer, just in general, it's, it's some of this mechanical stuff that really interests me. Like this deck has three tutors and I very, very specifically picked these tutors because it's, I got black. I could play demonic tutor. I could play vampire tutor, but I don't want to. 
because I don't want to always be looking for the same answer to this to to every solution to, to every situation. So the three very specific tutors I picked out are Beseech the Queen, which is three black and two colorless hybrid mana. So three if I pay three black, or I can sub in two colorless to not if I don't have all the black. But it's search your library for any card with a converted mana cost less than or equal to the number of lands you control. So this allows me to find anything potentially, but it keys off of lands, which is something I care about anyway. So it felt okay if that makes sense to me it felt- i love tutors that work like that yeah. i i have actively been reducing tutors i've been reducing generic tutors except in decks where my deck has one thing like i i run the the big suite of tutors in my my uh yeah, i'm losing my train of thought here now my villainous wealth deck because the whole point is to find and play villainous wealth yep so i do run a full suite of tutors in that deck but my other decks i do like playing the more conditional tutors yeah a lot that's like a deck i need to get back to to work on i loved it in concept it worked once or twice but i i committed to the bit too much did i ever tell you ever talk to you about my uh my dovescape deck no you didn't that sounds I built a um, Vile Smasher and Ishai. Is that the blue white? Yeah, that sounds uh, yes. right. Ishai Ojutai Dragon Speaker is the blue white yeah. partner commander. Because uh, Dovescape is a blue white card. So if I want to yeah. play Dovescape with <laughs> Vile Smasher, I needed Ishai. So it was those two. The whole point of the deck was to get Dovescape into, into play. So everybody's spells are countered and everybody's getting birds instead of non creature spells. And then I just make it bird tribal. So it's like a bird tribal vile smasher deck with dovescape. It was. Oh, and you just like, yeah, that that's awesome. And so like the problem was, especially at the time, there weren't a lot of great bird cards. So I put a lot of really subpar birds in the deck. Yeah. Some better cards have come out later. And I, so I have this deck set aside to workshop and, and rebuild, but like that will happen. And that's a deck where it's like, I got demonic tutor. I got vampiric tutor. I'm getting right. dovescape Cause that's the point of the deck. Yeah. That, that is the same thing with my villainous wealth deck. And I do need to work on that deck now because there's that new card that is sort of like villainous wealth, but you have to pay for the spells. Oh, okay. That just came out in uh murderers. You basically you exile all the cards off your opponent's deck, but you have to pay for them afterwards. But it, it's and villainous wealth makes so much mana that I don't mind having <laughs> to pay for the spells yeah. necessarily. And and it's just nice to have that second another copy yeah a second a second copy of that same ability yeah. right. And and that's the thing like with my dad coming back to Magic again recently, when I've been talking about deck building for Commander, there's a lot of little considerations like that where it's like, yeah, this isn't as good but it gives you two <laughs> and yeah. that's twice as many, which is really nice to have in, in your deck. If it's built around this effect. So my, my other two conditional tutors are even sort of ratcheting into being more conditional. I have green sun Zenith, very specific green uh, X where you have to search, search your library for a green creature with converted mana cost X or less, put it into the battlefield. And then you shuffle this back into your deck all of the like engine creatures I'm looking for are green, you know, Omnath and Gitfrog and Titania, all green creatures. So I have that. And then also along those lines, 
I have Time of Need, which is probably my favorite because it's the weirdest and most obscure. One in a green, search your library for a legendary creature card, reveal it, and put it into your hand. Kind of the same thing. Get mm-hmm. rock. Omnath, Titania are all legends. Right. I have I have some others. I, I have like Mina and Den are one of the legends in here that gives me extra land drops. If I care about that for some reason, I've got Azusa. Mina and Den is also in K and T that it, and it also can give trample to stuff, which is yes. a big which is bone. and also and that also that gives you more land drops because it returns yes. lands to your hand. So yeah, Mina Mina and Den is has some has some strong utility other yeah. than just the land drop too, which is yeah. cool. So that's one of the reasons why I like those two, Green Sun and Time of Need are so perfect because it's like all of the not all, but most of the engine important cards in the deck are legendary creatures that are at least green. <laughs> so it's like they both are super narrow in different ways, but they both hit almost everything I care about. Mm-mm. Only Beseech the Queen is is able to find Seismic Assault, but both of the others can find Boberigmos, so it, it, still, it still works out. <sighs> so those are those cards... Some of the other things I have, so I have a bunch of land tutors, of course, just in general, you do that with green, but also a deck that cares most about lands. I've got some some of the standard ones in there that I, I won't talk about too much, but the ones that are most important are like crop rotation, because you're it's instant and you're sacrificing mm-hmm. a land to go find any land. Such a good spell in a land deck. Oh, good. Also clutch if I need to go find like a utility land like Yavamaya Hollow, which regenerates creatures so I can save my creatures without having anything on the board. All I need is a green mana, crop rotation, sacrifice a tapped land, get Yavamaya Hollow. Well, as Hollow has to have, it has a tap activation too. So I need two green mana, I suppose, but I can regenerate my stuff if people try to kill it. Probably my signature card that if, if, Every time there's a question on Twitter, if you know, if they made a secret layer for, about you, uh, what would you, what would be in there? And like easily, easily one of my cards. And I've talked about it on this cast when we went through some of our favorite magic cards. I talked about it, but it's, it's Realms Uncharted. It's gifts yeah. I'm given for lands. You go find four lands with different names. An opponent puts two in your hand, two in your graveyard. Uh, what else do I want in this deck? I want lands in my hand and I want them in my graveyard. So I love that card. That's another one that's an instant as well, which is which is nice. A, a fairly recent card. I say fairly recent, but this was Dominari United. So that, I guess that was last year, two years ago. Yikes. Um, anyway, Sprouting Goblin. Uh, it's, just, it's just a land tutor, but it's also a goblin. But also has a, a activation right. Tap red, tap it, sack a land, draw a card. So yep. I haven't gotten to play too much lately, lately, but I put this in here as a nice it's red goblin with a green kicker. The green kicker is what gets you to go find a basic and put it in your hand. Just nice general utility. Um, one other I want to, I've wanted to play around with, but I haven't had a chance is Root Weaver Druid. Have you gotten to play this card before? What does that one do? Uh, two, one for three. Whenever it enters the battlefield, each opponent may search their library for up to three basic lands. Oh, and they give you one and they keep two. Yes. Yep, that's in K&T. Yeah. Yep, I love that so yeah. much. And it, I haven't gotten to play it. I've it, it gotten, I've never had anyone decline to go find the lands. And, and it has always gotten me the, gotten yeah. me the lands. So it's just, I, I love the idea 
of not just giving other people lands, like not just taking other people's lands, but also giving them lands, but also yeah. taking them, <laughs> but not like from your battlefield. Just like, yeah, take it out of your deck. It's just a potential land. You never, you don't have it. You yeah. never. And so I, I just, I love that. One other weird card. I wish I could find more of these that I have room for in the deck, but I have Bala Ged Recovery in the deck. Yep, that's another good card. Which is like the front face, just a normal two to green. It's a recover return target card from your graveyard to your hand. Super solid utility, but it's one of the the um, Zendikar cards. I play that card in pretty much every green deck I play. Now it's a yeah. regrowth or a, or a basic green land. Either yeah. way, it, it's a win. Yeah, and that's it's how I was able to keep my deck at kind of forty five cards or forty five yeah. lands. Yeah, because I was able to put this in and drop to forty four lands. Like I love, I love that there are several more of these flip cards in the set, but I just, I don't know. I, I have a few of them to try out sometime, but I've just not really. None of them definitely have a slot in the deck except for this. Like this is an effect I just want some number of in every green deck. Yeah, I I play that card. In, I bought like twenty copies of it because I play it in pretty much every green yeah. deck that I have. Yeah, it just it just works really well. I I, I love it. Um, I have gotten to play both faces. That's that's honestly for this deck fairly a newer addition. Some basic other just land centric stuff because again this is all all land nonsense. I have three cards that let me play lands from my graveyard. See, kind of straightforward. Crucible of Worlds, Ramanup Excavator, and Ancient Green Warden, which also does a bunch of other nonsense. That's four green green for a five seven with reach. You may play lands from your graveyard. If a land entering the battlefield causes the triggered ability of a permanent you control to trigger, it triggers an additional time. Yeah, that thing's disgusting. Just, yeah, just that, disgusting. In a land stack, that thing needs to die if you ever see it. <laughs> Yes, I I have not gotten to play it. That's another one that no. I've not gotten to play yet. But yeah, it, it's it, that that thing is easy easy slot way op. Yeah. So yeah, so that is those I mentioned the the land center. How many land drops I have? Uh, I also have burgeoning in the deck. Uh, that was not a card that I've had in the deck for a while. So burgeoning is an enchantment for a green. Whenever an opponent plays a land, you may put a land from your hand onto the battlefield. It can be really powerful if you get it early, but it is sometimes just a dead card, even in the middle of the game. Because if you don't have any, if, if I have two or three land drops, I don't have lands in my hand for very long. Or if I do, mm -hmm. I might be saving them up to try to a seismic assault somebody. But the art on this is just so good from. Kellogg's Loops. I do not know how to pronounce that, but this was a secret layer they did a couple years ago, and the card was gorgeous enough and fit the theme. Like I had a burgeoning; it's been in and out of the deck for a while. But when that when that art was uh, revealed, it's like okay, well this this goes in the deck for a while now, so it's here. Other other main like land utility things. Uh, Horn of Greed is one of my favorites. I assume you have that in KNT. Oh yeah, that's absolutely in KNT. It's just it's so good because not only does it help me, so it's uh, just an artifact. Whenever any player plays a land, that player draws a card. It gives me lands, which is great. But also, I have had people not swing at me because they were getting cards from me. And that's also great. <laughs> so it's just a beautiful thing. Like uh, 
rights of flourishing is a is another sort of effect like that. This is one that it's an enchantment that gives at the beginning of each player's draw step, they draw an additional card. Each player may play an additional land. So I have it in there for myself, but also so that if someone decides that that is a value to them and they don't want to, uh, they, they don't want to swing at me. I would appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> no, still swing. I mean, yes. I, I oh, have yeah. the same deterrence in K and T. Yes. It, I am, I am, I am telling you all right now, don't take the bait and just swing. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Just do it. Well, you know, if, if someone isn't hip to it, uh maybe maybe they won't attack me and, and that yeah welcome. no the the uh the candy is not worth it no 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 take take what you can get for it and then continue to to, to swing at me yeah um two two other good ones i have that uh well, one was fairly recent one is not i've tireless tracker and its companion tireless provisioner both big cards in any land deck yes so they're both landfall. Tireless Tracker gives me a clue whenever I play a land. Tireless Provisioner gives me a food token or a treasure. Lots of value. Tireless Tracker gets bigger if you sacrifice clues and things. That's fine. Yeah, both- that's fine. It it can get huge. <laughs> it really can if you, if it sticks around. Yeah. So, but by and large, they're both just there yeah. for those, those tokens. You probably don't have enough other synergy for it, but do, 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 is there a friend academy manufacturer in the deck? Uh, no. No, it isn't, because right now it's just these two. Yeah. So that's honestly a card that I would love to work with. I want to build a deck around that card <sighs> on its own. Because <laughs> that's the one which, if you make any of those three, you make all of them, right? Yes, you make all yes. of them. Absolutely. I don't know. Do you watch any uh, stream uh, or commander um, gameplay shows? I don't. The Elder Dragon Social Club, the last episode, uh, there was an Academy manufacturer on the table for the entire episode that oh. nobody bothered killing the entire time. Boy. And I don't know how many tokens that thing made. Oh my god. Yeah, I mean... They, seem... they were playing the precons from Murders from Karlov Manor, oh, okay. and yeah, they just nobody bothered killing it the whole time, and that thing made so many tokens. Yeah, that's God, that's amazing. But yeah, so other I other, don't I don't think I've ever gotten. I, I don't know if I've ever gotten to have it come around a turn cycle when I've played one without it getting killed. Oh, I've 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 gotten a number of clues out of the tireless tracker. Oh, I mean, Tireless Tracker, yeah, I mean the Academy Manufacturer. Oh, Academy never, manufacturer. I, I don't yeah, think I've oh. ever had it come around to me where it's gotten not gotten killed before. No, my, I still have that in a pile with, um, is it Offering to the Fae? That lets you get one of those every turn. Oh, um, yeah, there, there's a couple of things that yeah generate yeah. the stuff every turn and yeah and so that was uh it was a green enchantment i can't find it i'll figure it out but like yeah. that was the thing i wanted to build i have so many partial decks yeah Fate. the the deck that this one was in on the elder dragon social club was one that generates a clue every turn oh that's awesome yeah so this enchantment fey offering at the beginning of each end step if you cast both a creature and a non-creature create a clue food and a treasure token Oh wow! With this, you'd create you get three of each. Yeah, 
That's, what that, I that's a hard. That's a hard step to meet, though. A, a creature and yes. a non-creature. Yes, yeah, so you, you've got to like really build your your deck and kind of what you're doing around having enough of both or ways to get both back. Yeah, that's part of why it interests me so much. I look at that. I'm like, I yeah. want to build a deck around this single uncommon enchantment because that's how my brain works. But so. Other other sort of land utility stuff. I have several things that sacrifice lands for value. Um, Zuran Orb is a great one. It's just a zero. Oh, drop what a tank. classic dark card! Oh man, the zero sacrifice a land, gain two life. I, when I when I first I started playing when the dark was the current expansion, and I saw that card, and I'm just like, why would anybody ever play this card ever? Oh, yeah. And then, you know, when when I found out later that, yeah, there's a lot of busted things you can do with that card. Oh, yeah. Pull this up in Scryfall. And uh, there are eight championship deck versions of it. Yes. There, there are decks. a lot of broken things you can do with Zuranorb. <laughs> and then it's it's Companion Clause of Gix, which is not as good, but can still be solid. Yeah. Because Zuranorb is zero. Sacrifice a land to gain two life. Just no activation. I mean, there's an activation there, but you're not consuming any resources to do it. You yeah. just do it. Claws of Gix, also an artifact that costs zero, but you have to pay one to sacrifice any permanent to gain one life. Yeah. That's that's that whole second card that isn't as good is still good because now I have two. Mm-hmm. Thing. Uh, I run Sylvan Safekeeper <laughs> because, of course, I do. Just a one-one for one with sacrifice a land. Target creature gains shroud until end of oh, turn. Of course, I mean that card's ridiculous in a land it's, deck. Yeah, just a it's it's pro, it's good. I think probably in any green deck that cares about specific creatures. Yes, yeah, protecting specific creatures. It is worth it. Deck. Yeah, and especially a lands deck where that sacrifice a land is a bonus. <laughs> like, yeah, like I said in our, our recent preview episode, sometimes I want to blow up my own lands. Yeah. Uh, particularly in this deck. I also have Constant Mists, which is probably the card that feels the most unfair to me every time I play it. Like, not Get Wrong, or not, not Get Wrong, you know, n- not even right. Crater Hoof. Oh, I guess Zernorp came out in the Ice Age, not oh. the Dark. So it was around the time I started, yes. but not quite the Dark. Yeah, next set, or maybe but, Fallen Empires is in between. Regardless, they're right, right yes. in that, that same, same range. Same general time, but it yeah. is a beautiful Sandra Everham uh, artwork for the original art. Yeah. Yeah, that... that Yeah, that, we played that card a lot. Well, of course, I played a big group games where we were all Dirtles anyway. But Constant Mists is a fog that's unfair in a landscape. Yes, it's it one, is. One in a green creature deal no combat damage this turn, but it has buyback, sacrifice a land. Yes, one <laughs> land. It so is bad. I I just blank people's decks sometimes, or I'm like constant miss, and they're like, "Good game." And it's yeah. like that's the end. No, and it just like I said, crater hoof at least. Even if I, it doesn't feel like I earned it as much as is when I'm doing nonsense with life from the loam. At least Crater Hoof is like, I got big creatures and this big creature makes them bigger. Are we done? I don't have the bring back your lands package in K&T, but that deck puts so many lands into play that Constant mm-hmm. Mist might still be a good card in that deck. It's so bad. It's in a good way. It's so bad. Yeah, if you have any deck. way to bring your lands oh back, my God. It, is, it is disgusting. Yeah, it's... Yeah. 
it's it's also the card that in this deck that I have the least faith that I'll ever get a special version of, even though it, as far as I can tell, it's not on the reserve list. It's just a random ass, like uncommon, common probably from that set, uncommon from Stronghold. So yeah, because I think the reserve list was just rares or yeah, reserve list you was ones just for rares. So yeah, so it's definitely not on the reserve list. I doubt this card will ever be printed. I I've genuinely considered picking up the World Champion deck one just because the the gold signature and gold yeah something a cool. little different yeah, yeah. A so like blingy. I may do that at some point. There's a few cards in this deck that that's probably <laughs> the best I can do because this is this is one of my this and again this and cause like are my decks where I try to have like the, what I think of is like the coolest looking version I can find. Yeah. I'm, I'm not a big pack foil person. So there's some cards that there's pack foils that I just don't care. It's no, like, the gold border looks nice. So I like the, yeah. I like the world championship deck printings when they have them. There's a, there's a few cards in Kozilek that have versions that I just can't afford. <laughs> Yeah, responsibly that I might get world championship versions of just to have a nicer look in one of those. We'll see. But then it, it just kind of finishing this category out. I also have Death Rite Shaman, which took me far too long to put into this deck. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> like a one drop for green or black with tap exile a land from your graveyard, add a man of any color, which is nice. Or it starts eating instants and sorceries. Oh, eight it's one of the best one drops in Commander. Yeah, it exiles creatures from graveyards, instants and sorceries from graveyards. It it just does a lot of things, but also it's actually it, one of the best cards against your deck too, because yes. it each lands out of opponents. Yes, life it or is out of the graveyards. But yeah, and like I said, it took me far too long to put that into my deck. I don't know why I played during. RTR uh, Theros standard. Like, this yeah. card was around. I don't know why it, it took me that long to put I it mean, in. I mean, it's banned in Legacy. It, it's... <laughs> That's a good point. A, a recent, another recent addition, not terribly recent card, but I added it fairly recently that I haven't gotten to play yet, is uh, God Eternal Bantu. As another sort of big beater who gives me lots of value. Uh, five, six menace for three black, black. Like most of the gods, it has some way to to live. So when it dies, it's or put into exile from the battlefield. I may put it onto my library third from the top. But its relevant thing for me, most relevant, is when it enters the battlefield, sacrifice any number of other permanents, then draw that many cards. <laughs> I I can sacrifice so many lands. Yep. And double dip because now I'm getting value from the sack and getting cards out of it. And I have a 5-6 Menace on the board that sometimes is not the most scary thing I have on the board. And it has a really ugly San Diego Comic-Con promo. Yes, it does. That's what I'm looking at right now. <laughs> it's not great. I like it more no. in person. It actually looks a lot better in person. Where It does, but still, the, I think the, the reverse black yeah. were not a good... That was not a good year for the comic-con promos no that's and that's fair i liked that as a series i have all but the first year of the comic-con promos and that's probably the worst ones mm. yes though it is much more readable than some of the others that i think yeah, are cooler I, I mean they are they are readable but i i could not tell you that was bantu if i just looked at that art without oh, yeah, knowing yeah. 
that's absolutely true. It's really hard to see the picture of Bantu because it's like, for, for people who haven't seen it, it's all it's all black except for the art of the card is is supposed to be in the shape of Bantu's head, basically. Yeah, it, it's really hard to read. Not the text. The text is very legible, but basically yeah. read the rest of the card is much more difficult. Than an yeah, it, it's a negative art image of Bantu over Ravnica. You basically just see the Ravnican buildings and the skyline yes. through Bantu's image. and But it's hard to tell that's supposed to be Bantu. It it really is, which yeah. it's, it's totally fair. But for me, it was good enough, and now yeah, because I, I have so many. I almost did the pre-release promo. But I'll, I'll be honest; I have so many pre-release promos in this deck. Yeah, I wanted something a little bit different, and that was oh no, good it, it, it's relatively affordable too for the Comic Con promos. They printed enough that year that yeah, I have all of them except for the first year ones because those they only printed like five hundred copies total or five thousand copies total. So there's not that many of them in existence in there ridiculously expensive despite being rather the, the regular versions of the card are like a dollar a piece so there's yeah because those were like some of the most printed versions of those planeswalkers yeah and, and several of them were printed again the next year yes i mean they were just the core set planeswalkers they just but, were printed in the black with yeah, a black on black it's black on black yeah and i think they look good in person but they are really hard to read Six they are very hard to read they do look good in person i have the 2014 and 2015 ones but the 2013 ones are just ridiculously expensive yeah yeah i, I have a couple of the the 2014 the second year that did all the all black that were cheap yeah i have a couple of those including chandra pyromaster who win in a lot of my re- my promo decks that include red because she's just good card value. Yeah. I also have another one of my signature cards on this deck, Tectonic Reformation. I I talk about this card a lot whenever we talk about cards, but it is one of my favorite cards to put in any deck that has red. It's just it's an enchantment that gives all my land cycling. Mm-hmm. Good card. I just I love it. In this deck, it's really good because I love the idea of discarding cards to get value twice. Oh, especially if you get rog out and you get to draw oh, two yeah. off of it. Yeah, I get to draw two if I have you know other things going on, and then I get to take them out of my graveyard potentially and play them. Like it, just the the nonsense doesn't stop. But I have this in my Zada deck. I have this in basically every red deck I have because red. So many red decks can have card draw problems, and while this is not card draw. It's a nice bit of filtering to help smooth out getting flooded late in the game. Mm-hmm. And the yeah. enchantment itself has cycling. So you draw it late and you don't need it. You just pay two to discard it and draw a card. So I love it. I, it's, it is probably the, the single non-land card I have the most copies of. Um, and I have Lord Windgrace in this deck, who is... Lord Windgrace is my lands deck. I yes. have Lord Windgrace because, of course, I built the cat deck. The cat girl builds the cat deck, and and it, uh, I have the the fun cat, fun fancy cat one from uh, yeah, I Vegas. Do the one from no, it was from no. uh, Philly. Philly, yes, thank you. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, I I love it, and it's just a really good utility land. Yeah, it's a planeswalker that can be your commander. It has multiple. You know, first ability you know, is discard a land. This is fun, but it's not game breaking. No. You just make a bunch of cats. 
Yeah, destroy up to six target non-land permanents and then create six 2-2 two, two green war cat warrior creatures with Forest Walk. Yeah. And six permanents can be a lot, but if it's a, still a four-person game, that's really Yeah, I mean, that's two person. permanents per opponent, and it's yeah. destroy, so it doesn't deal with a lot of really problematic... Yeah, you're just like things. that utility artifact, that problematic land, that enchantment that no one likes, take them all out. Yeah. Yeah, and then it's like it's one, you know, plus two and minus three are just like land things. Take lands out yeah. of your graveyard, discard. If you discard a land, draw more cards. It's yeah, I like them. Yeah. And it's it's a card that I th I've thought about Wind Grace as my commander, but I just really like the role that Zyra plays. And so it's yeah. like if I were to build a if today if I didn't have this deck put together, I'd absolutely build a Lord Wind Grace deck. Oh yeah. No, but, I mean, yeah, he's my he's a cat, so he's my commander. Oh yeah, and and, and just a, and a great card, and it, it fits the theme. Yeah. And that um, that deck, there was a lot of cool stuff in there. There's a couple of cards from that commander deck in this deck, mm -hmm. but I was a little disappointed. I mean, in, in fairness, the way they have to build the commander precons is you 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 can build them with a central theme, but that central theme is only a portion of the deck. They want to have other stuff in there for other people, and so. There wasn't a ton else for me in that deck, but it was still cool to see that kind of be a thing. Yeah, I mean, that that's where my deck started from the Commander Precon, and then it, it evolved. It, it's definitely, it's probably 40 to 50% different from the Precon at this point. Because I, that's one of my more focused decks. Yeah, it's this is and this is another thing I've learned. Like mechanical things interest me, but like I have a hard time with like they call them linear decks, which are mm -hmm. like typo, right. for instance, like goblin. Where you just put in everything that says make goblins better or gets better with goblins. And like those I those concepts sort of interest me until I start to build the list. And I'm just like, I have too many make goblins better cards and i don't really know what to cut and i'm i'm not interested anymore and i walk away lands is a sort of linear thing where it's like there's a lot of cards that just say do stuff with lands but it's not exactly it's not as prescriptive in mm -hmm. what you want to build or what you want to put in there and so yeah. it, it made it easier for me to sort of engage with that and and there's a lot of ways you can go with it and my way i mean mm -hmm. my win con and my Lord Windgrace deck is to make token creatures and kill people with token creatures. So I'm all focused on things that let me make token creatures from lands. Or turn my lands into creatures and kill people. But again, the same thing, you know, my, my win cons are you know, it's Ibex, it's <laughs> yep. Crater Hoof, pretty much the same things you listed off. Um, it, but sometimes that's not needed because sometimes I just turn 30 lands into three threes and kill people with those. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And this, that was one thing that this deck has no land animation cards by design to begin with, at least like, cause that was going to be other decks. Like mm -hmm. when I said, I was, I was, I was going to try to work on multiple land decks. It's like, that is a very clear sort of alley for building, you know, a clear lane for a land deck that kind of needs its own things. And I could put in here, but it feels like it probably better to. I think I only have one card that animates my lands in the deck, but it's, it's okay. one of my finishers that just turns all my lands into three threes with uh, indestructible until end of turn. It's just. 
now that I think about that, I guess I did end up building one of those. Yeah, I built that as an Oathbreaker deck. Oh, yeah. Because I, I have Nissa who shakes the world. Oh, yeah, that's a good, good Oathbreaker deck. Yeah. Yeah. She makes all your forest tap for extra and then just starts animating them. And, uh, well, we had a whole ooh. real world segment planned for tonight, yes, we but we're already at an hour and 10 minutes. So I don't think we're going to get to our real world segment. No. We had a lot of fun talking about land land matters yeah this was great thank you again for for the topic yeah maybe we'll pull that in some other way or some other relevance yeah but... i mean uh hobbs just finished a trip we were going to talk about you know travel uh to go mm -hmm. with the lands but maybe we'll cover that as a separate topic sometime yeah, uh, yeah i like that we'll, sure we'll find find a good place to slot that in yeah we can definitely talk about that so yeah. uh well great well i hope hope Y'all are having a, a good uh, February. Hope 2024 is treating you better than 2023. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and let us know how you, you think of this. Like you know, We, for a long time, didn't really talk about cards too much just because it kind of, we were trying to do other things with, with what you're talking about. And it makes sense to kind of filter that in here and there, talk about decks. And we've done the Goblin Profiles where we talk about Goblin decks that each of the hosts has. But yeah, and if you want to talk more about decks or commander or anything, we have active channels that do talk about um, deck building and gameplay and stuff in our Discord. And you know, we'd love to have you join our Discord and uh, join the conversation. It's it, we're a small but you know active community, and it's it's a really great place. It's um not overwhelming like a lot of discords are we have a really good tight community and you know it'd be lovely to have you join us and talk about your favorite deck with us absolutely all right i think we'll just end it there and that's our show for today you can find all of the hosts on twitter for now hobbs can be found at hobbs q tay can be found at taya transcends and alex can be found at mel underscore chronicler Feel free to send us any questions, comments, thoughts, hopes, and dreams to the Goblin Lore Pod on Twitter or email us at goblinlorepodcast at gmail.com. If you would like to support your friendly neighborhood gobslugs, our link tree can be found on our Twitter account and in the description of today's show. This has everything from various discount codes to the link for our Patreon. The music for today's show was by Vintergotten, who can be found at vintergotten at bandcamp.com. The art was done by Stephen Raphael, who can be found at Steve Ruffle on Twitter. Goblin Lore is proud to be presented by Hipsters of the Coast as part of their growing Vorthos content. Check them out on Twitter at HipstersMTG or online at HipstersOfTheCoast.com. Thank you for listening. And remember, goblins, like snowflakes, are only dangerous in numbers. <laughs>